Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Hey, Sue. Oh, hey, Andrew. Good to see you as always. Yeah, this is fun. How are you doing? Doing okay. You know, I, I came into this podcast having a few thoughts. One of the thoughts is that I don't know that many podcasts that would focus a whole episode on loneliness. No, I don't know any either. But is that what we're doing? We are different. Yes, <laughs> that's what we're doing today. Okay. And we're not only talking about loneliness, but we're talking about how we can really manage it, alleviate it, find ways of working with it so that it doesn't have to be this big ominous emotion that that takes over. Well, and yeah. That's what I like so much about your podcast, Andrews. You actually give people action steps so that they don't feel like they don't know how to handle it. Well, why else are we here really, right? right. We, we want to bring strategies. We want to bring action steps, you know, growing and, and, and recovery and healing. It has to be about movement, right? If we're just getting something intellectually, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with awareness and insight, et cetera. But we're really here to come up with some ideas, hopefully some creative ideas to move forward. Sounds good. Yeah. So why loneliness? We're, we're here in the holidays of 2021. And one of my theories is that loneliness is everywhere, but often not talked about, right? Yep. It, it's, it's actually invisible. It's, it's what I call invisible suffering. And at the same time, it's, it's a universal part of being human, right? So one of the things when we're talking about compulsive sexual behavior is that loneliness, or we could also say hollowness, can be a trigger, can be something that, that creates risk for folks in, in recovery. And, and, and so it doesn't matter whether you're dealing with compulsive sexual behavior or possibly some uh, love addiction or love avoidance issues, maybe fantasy issues, because many times we're talking about fantasy loneliness can really be a slippery slope and that's what we're here today to to focus on yeah i mean i think it does get brought up a lot around the holidays um and i, I know for a fact like during the quarantine time 2020 that a lot of people were isolated and that mm. probably contributed a lot more loneliness around the holidays so right. is that why you're focusing on it right now it's complicated because even when you said that, what came to mind for me is that, yes, we're starting to see more freedom and more 
ability to go out and, and do things in ways that we didn't early on in the pandemic. But even then there's this tension in, in some of us around maybe the extrovert in us, the introvert in, in us, but the part of us that isn't always sure how to feel a sense of belonging. And I think that's ultimately what we're talking about today is how do we have a, a sense of belonging so, so I've been taking a, a closer look at my own loneliness. I thought that might be a good place to start. And, you know, in, in my blog, in my blogging and in our podcast, and I, I want to explore it deeper. I mean, how, how about you, Sue? How, how would you describe your relationship with loneliness nowadays? Well, I like that you say that it's everywhere. Um, so I don't feel so alone in my loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> so there's belonging in, in that. Yeah, it's good to hear that. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate you also saying that it's it's an emotion, like like anger we talked about before, because I would hate to admit that I get angry, but it's okay. And what I'm hearing is that it's okay to feel lonely sometimes. Um, and yeah, I feel lonely because I talk to myself a lot and I get tired of that. Mm. Um, but I think there are times when, you know, you, I, I do feel like I'm alone in this and um, think about it a little bit. I journal a lot about it um, whenever it pops up. So that's helpful. But then I don't dwell in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So, so for you, is it an emotion that generally passes through or does it get stuck at times? It, it, it passes through. I don't feel uh -huh. like I get stuck in loneliness. Good, good. So it's not quicksand for you. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, as a kid and as a teenager, maybe even as a young adult, I, I definitely had quicksand type loneliness okay. where I would get stuck. And even though I had lots of people in my life, because I tend to be social and I, 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 I always say that I'm a heat seeking missile. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would still, even in crowds of people, I would still feel existentially lonely. So not to sound too fatalistic, you know, but we do come into this world alone and we leave this world alone, right? Mm -hmm. and, and part of our mandate, I think, as human beings is about how do we cultivate love and how do we cultivate belonging? And in this case, in, in this conversation, we're, we're looking at loneliness, hopefully as a, a wave that we can ride, that it doesn't have to be something that, that feels too much like quicksand. But I also wanna recognize that there may be some listeners who really are maybe even in this moment feeling a sense of, of like quicksand where they just can't quite get out of it. They don't know how to connect um, in a deeper way, maybe with themselves. Uh, certainly with others or even a power greater than oneself, you know, but, but the flip side of this conversation really is about meaningful connection, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm personally, my, one of my goals is that I'm trying to make peace with the lonely part of me, right? Because I can do all kinds of things to distract myself from loneliness. Um, I mean, you name it. There's mm -hmm. so many let me count yeah. the ways, right? right. <laughs> and, and yet distraction isn't really uh, an ally for me because it, it doesn't let me feel my feelings. And I believe mm -hmm. that by feeling my feelings and really knowing that, that they're 
you know, this too shall pass, that kind of thing, that, um, that there's some muscle building emotionally that, that goes along with that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think as you're talking, I'm feeling like I need a little um, clarification here um, because I think maybe what I feel is alone and not really loneliness. So can you describe the difference between being alone versus loneliness versus even solitude? I will do my best. (laughs) So being alone, I think is, is fairly self-explanatory, right? When we are physically alone, we're being alone, right? Loneliness generally is an emotion that has some sense of pain associated with it. And this is just my description, by the way, Um, that loneliness, it could be subtle in terms of, of its suffering, or it could be more profound, but loneliness, you know, has some level of of something attached to it that's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and sometimes difficult to endure, right? Now, solitude is actually my favorite word out of the three because it's really what I aspire to invite into my life. I I actually looked up the dictionary definition of solitude because I I knew it was gonna be something I wanted to share. And it, it goes like this. Solitude is a state or situation in which you are alone, usually because you want to be. Okay, I'll say that again, usually because you want to be. So for instance, she wished to work on her novel in solitude, or he enjoyed the peace and solitude of the woods, Hmm. right? So that version, that idea, I think has a much more dimensional and inviting kind of um, approach to what it means to be alone. Right, because you can be alone, but not feel lonely. Exactly. You can be alone and be at peace, as I right. mentioned this. And I, right. I do like that word solitude. It reminds me of Walden. Remember when we went to see Thoreau? Um, his homestead well oh where gosh. he lived for three years by Walden what, Pond yeah what year was that <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I think that was the mid 80s yeah probably <laughs> yeah I think that seeking to be at peace in solitude is a great goal to have and it's it's a gift almost to be able to to be alone now sometimes let me tell you this when I'm alone I like at a restaurant or something which hasn't happened in a long time I do feel lonely then I enjoy sharing meals with people I think that's kind of I don't know how people can eat alone but um I guess people do figure it out so that's a kind of a roadblock for me right you know one thing you reminded me of is the idea of introversion versus extroversion, right? And one thing I learned about myself that I I think I had forgotten in the pandemic is that I actually have a balance of the two. I used to think I was purely an extrovert, but there was something about hibernating in the pandemic and, and reading a good novel or cooking a nice meal or just having that downtime that really worked for me. And it's actually something my, my father had too. He, he appeared very extroverted. He had a lot of uh, charisma when it came to 
the way he circulated in the world, but he also had an, a, a real shy, introverted side to him as well. And I think there's something really to notice in oneself in this way, because I think introverts generally are better at solitude, right? right? Yeah, that they, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been going on 12-step retreats since 95, and I've been on at least 25 or 30 retreats in that time. And even though I'm around approximately 20, 25, 30 other people, it's, it's really a chance to be quiet. Actually, there's a, a silent part of the retreat mm -hmm. and um, working the steps and uh, maybe going on a hike or something very simple. And I agree. I think some of the deepest thinkers, deepest meditators, deepest uh, philosophers are really masters of solitude. Mm, that's a good goal. I mean, just in my little meditation practice that I have, um, which I'm getting much better at, but at first is really difficult to, to be okay in the silence, you know? So that's another whole part of alone, aloneness is, is the silence. So I remember a mutual friend of ours said whenever he came home, if he was alone, he would have to put on the radio right away or mm -hmm. just have something else on in the background. Mm -hmm. um, and I never, I'd never, that I never had to do that. Like I'm okay even taking long rides just in silence, hmm. you know? It's okay. I don't think there's a right or wrong about it, but mm. I always need music on when I'm at home and when I'm in the car or, yeah. or, or podcasts, of course. But you know, that, that just says how we have different rhythms, right? And right. it's not a right or wrong, but it's our, our relationship to solitude that, that really counts. And in recovery, isolation is often seen and labeled as, as problematic or, or even high risk. But, but I, I wonder if solitude is actually the healing direction for all of us. Interesting. For me, and, and I think what, what you're saying as well, Sue, is that it's really what we aspire to. Yeah. No, I think it's a great goal to set. And, I, and I'm going to look at it a little differently now. So well, uh, here we are. Um, I'm not sure when people will hear this, but we're recording this <laughs> only a week before Thanksgiving <laughs> or less than, I guess. Um, and thanks to vaccines, family and friends can get together safely. But you say that it doesn't matter how many friends or family you have around you, loneliness can be very prominent during the holidays. Why do you think that is? So sometimes I like to hatch theories. So bear okay. with me. Okay. I haven't, <laughs> haven't proven this or, or collected any data. All right, let's see what, what you got. <laughs> but in, in our culture, in the American culture, self-sufficiency and independence generally is identified as a gold standard for, for success in, in life, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's often seen as, you know, something that has to do with productivity, has to do with, with um, you know, just somehow uh, doing, you know, doing, doing, doing. So on the flip side, asking for help from others, relying on dependable people is, I don't know if it's discouraged, but it certainly it gets second fiddle, right? So, so we're actually set up from a young age to, to be on our own, right? To really 
be on this trajectory of success, so to speak. So in my childhood home, asking for a hug, for instance, it wasn't even on our radar emotionally, right? We didn't even have that, that uh, in our repertoire. Mm -hmm. and, and also, sadly enough, when I was growing up, we never even used the L word. You know, the right. idea of saying we loved one another or, or that um, we were feeling affectionate towards one another was not part of my early experience. Instead, we were really orbiting around each other without any meaningful emotional contact, right? Mm -hmm. so, so when you think about that, orbiting around one another without any meaningful contact, that's, that's like we're all on our own planets, right? True, yeah. And, and so- And if you got too close, they're just like, oh. Exactly. Yeah. Terrifying. Right. So, so that's where I, I, I think solitude gets born out of family systems like that. Everybody has a, a different template, of course. Right. But that's, that was mine. So hmm. what about you? What, what do you recall from, from childhood? Well, it's very similar as you know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any of that. Um, we were definitely orbiting. I think I was Pluto as the furthest one away. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's but, cold on Pluto. Was it the cold there? I was I trying. think it's freezing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did have a, um, a lot of, I think I talked about this before, a lot of stuffed animals and a lot of uh, furry friends that kept me warm, but yeah, there was no L word. There was no hugging. And thank goodness Leo Buscaglia was uh, welcome into mm. our group of friends because I think we hugged each other all the time. By the time we got to college, I think we were, everyone was hugging each other. But um, yeah, I, I had no contact and like emotional, physical contact or feedback at all during my mm. young years. Um, so same same type of thing I learned how to isolate myself I learned how to pull myself away from feeling love and we talked about avoidance before because it's just not a familiar feeling so yeah we just end up coming up with other ways to cope with uh, mm -hmm. with those feelings sure by the way for those of you who don't know who Leo Biscaglia is <laughs> can you in a nutshell describe his impact on you and, and who he was? Um, yeah, what was, I had his book. It was a yellow book. Um, I called him the, the hug doctor. Um, can't, I, I can't, do you know, remember the name of the book? Well, there was one book that I actually think was called love. Was it just love? Yeah. I, I, think I, so. I, I remember, I wish I still had it, but, um, he was all about just feeling the love and spreading the love and did he write the last leaf i think that was the there was a this this book that or a poem i guess that mm -hmm. talked about freddie the leaf or something that he was afraid to fall from the tree right um and he embraced he was this i guess a psychologist or a psychotherapist yeah. that wrote a lot about emotional feelings and and um but he embraced the hug i mean that was it that was like we all read this but i don't know how we all read it but we all talked about it certainly um and we were just definitely um, embracing everything that dr leo buscaglia taught us so yes i actually think he was local here in los angeles if i'm not mistaken oh, i think he might have taught at usc 
but but the point is that there was a a bunch of psychologists back in the 70s, especially the late 60s, early 70s, that focused on, on what it meant to cultivate love, basically, and hugs and affection, if, if that wasn't part of your, your background. And it's interesting that you mentioned him because I had the same exact experience and I don't think we even knew each other at the time yet, Sue. Probably. So yeah. it's, it's fascinating. We, yeah. we, we gravitate to what we need sometimes. Yeah, he spoke to me for sure. You know, I, I also want to mention as, as part of what you're saying is that on the flip side of loneliness, there's a lot of resourcefulness, right? Mm -hmm. We often, I mean, we're resilient creatures. And part of our resourcefulness is finding the love, finding the hugs, finding the connection and belonging from different sources, hopefully in ways that are nourishing. I know that in certainly in um, love addiction and in uh, various kinds of uh, fantasy, romantic fantasy, it can get a little messy when we're seeking love in all the wrong places, basically. But sometimes it takes some trial and error. And really what we're hoping for in, in this conversation is how do we have experiences that are more nourishing? How can we have experiences that are more about love and belonging? So why don't we shift gears okay. into our strategies to, to cope with loneliness, okay? And I, I thought what we would do is just kind of go back and forth. Um, and um, why don't I begin? Okay. And the first strategy that I came up with is to, to simply accept loneliness as part of being human, right? Because sometimes I think we fight loneliness and I think it's so important to lean into it and, and to embrace it and to understand it and to know that it, it actually can be a teacher, right? Not easy, but, but accepting our loneliness is very different from resisting it. And so if you can observe it with curiosity and be non-judgmental about it, you're really on, on your way. Nice. So number two, we have ride the wave. And um, I used to say all the time when anything would stress me, I like get on that surfboard, just ride the wave. Mm -hmm. And loneliness generally comes in waves. Some are bigger, some are smaller. And eventually, you know what happens? The wave will pass. Exactly. And as we say in program, this too shall pass. And it may not be comfortable. It may actually be quite challenging to, to hang in there with, with the feeling. But whatever you have to do, you know, call a friend, call a sponsor, do some journaling, go for a walk, do whatever it takes to just hang in there knowing that the wave will pass. The third is, is kind of counterintuitive, actually, but it's about meditating. So meditation is a way to build your inner capacity for all of your feelings and internal states, right? I'll say that again. Meditation is a way to build inner capacity for all of your feelings, including loneliness, and all of your internal states. So if you already meditate, if you can actually bump up the time a little bit, and if you don't meditate, just consider something simple like one of the apps like Headspace or Insight Timer or a guided, uh, a guided meditation. Like I love Chris Germer and Tara Brock. 
uh, you can get their self-compassion meditations on on youtube nice no i i love those too i love self-meditation um guided sorry guided self-meditations right <laughs> very right. helpful yeah and I, i'm a mantra meditator i like to have a little mantra that just really mm-hmm. helps me beautiful the next one we have is journaling which is my number one way to cope with things um so rather than suffering in silence writing often helps to find your voice and put into words what the loneliness is trying to express there are great messages in there and they're good to write down right and sometimes it takes a little bit of writing to download what's in our head sometimes it's hard to know what the loneliness is trying to say but if we journal it's it's one of those ways that lets the I say it gives oxygen to the mm-hmm. loneliness, right? When I was studying to be um, a hypnotherapist, I was a big part of reaching into your subconscious was journal writing without thinking and whatever was coming out was coming out of your subconscious. So it's interesting to read when you just start writing. Exactly. As I mentioned before, if you can surround yourself with emotionally reliable people, you're going to feel an automatic sense of belonging, right? So if you're feeling lonely, don't give up. I mean, go to a meeting, find a friend, grab the neighbor's dog, whatever it takes. Um, And and in this way, we're we're really taking contrary action and reaching out to those that you feel safer and more trusting of, right? Mm -hmm. So chances are that anybody you reach out to has been in your shoes in one form or another. And oftentimes they will appreciate, they'll appreciate your vulnerability to share your loneliness because then they can feel closer to you as a result and vice versa. The next one we have is join a therapy group or a support group and groups really break the isolation. There's something special about the energy in a group. The longer you're in a group, the more you will internalize the group members. And in turn, these relationships become portable. Right. I mean, you know, Sue, that I'm a huge advocate for group therapy and groups in general. It doesn't matter whether it's a therapy group or a support group or a 12-step group. Getting yourself into a group experience, whether it's online or in person, is, is breaking the isolation. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not an easy thing to do, but, but I can't recommend that enough. So. Along those lines, especially during the holidays, I I always recommend to to double up on your meetings, your 12-step meetings, if if you go to 12-step. You know, during the holidays, there's lots and lots of meetings available. Now there's lots and lots of online meetings available. And meetings really are a safe place where you get to talk about your loneliness, right? So you don't have to be alone and just sitting with the feeling, you can actually talk about it and how how it manifests and how it might create some kind of slipperiness even. Mm-hmm. So others are going to appreciate that because if you share your own loneliness, others are going to identify and feel really grateful that you shared. So by all means, name it and share it. Yeah, that's great. Um, so also notice what helps you feel more connected or possibly even less connected and lean into the relationships and the experiences that truly help you feel more connected with yourself and with others. 
So there's three types of connections. There's the connection to self, there's the connection to others, and then a power greater than yourself. Right, I'm, I'm kind of a broken record with this one, but I do believe for myself and for many people that if we're connected to a deeper part of ourselves, if we're connected to those who we really trust, and if we are connected to a power greater than ourselves, whatever that means, nature, pets, um, God, whatever that means to you, that's a huge um, possibility of, of connection, belonging, and of course, taking contrary action to loneliness. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, take some time to, to reassess your spiritual connection, right? Spiritual connection, you know, I, I have to say, I grew up in a liberal Jewish background, and I went through the motions of Hebrew school, bar mitzvah, all of that stuff. But what what actually happened was it planted seeds around what mattered most to me, right? Spirituality was at the time, I didn't know this, but it's really what mattered most to me. And, and so I started even as a kid to, to look at what, what mattered. And for me, it's always been relationships actually. And it's always been about deeper connection with others. So part of spiritual connection is just reassessing, you know, what, what does this mean to you today? Not as a kid, not last year, not next year, but mm -hmm. what does it mean now? So whether it's God, whether it's higher power, universal energy, or, or even nature, explore the ways for you to feel more deeply connected. All right, the next one, don't judge yourself for being lonely. Instead, take this as an opportunity to become a more compassionate parent to that little kid inside of you. I love that, Andrew. I'm glad. I, I, I think about the little kid inside of us all the time. You know, I, I think what I look forward to with you, Sue, is as an example, is that the kids the kid inside of us can play more often, that we don't have to be so serious, that mm -hmm. we can have playful, fun, connecting experiences, maybe even spiritual experiences, who knows? But a lot of people forget that part of working with loneliness is just being non-judgmental and being a really good parent to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I wanted to include that one. And, and the last one that I'm going to share is about volunteering. And sometimes we forget, sometimes we forget that when we are able to give to others, when we're able to share our generosity of spirit with others, something comes back to us in kind, right? So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what that looks like. If, you, if you're of service at a 12-step meeting, for instance, or maybe you walk the dogs at your local animal shelter. You know, being there for others will give you a respite from your own isolation, but it will also create a sense of, of um, agency and a sense of feeling good about ourselves, right? Yeah, I need to look into doing that more. I, um, I miss that feeling. It's a really good give back energy feeling that comes right back to you. Nice. 
For sure, yeah. So as we wind down, I just wanna say that we're all lonely. We're all lonely. I'll just stop there. No, we're, we're all lonely at one time or another, right? I, I think about um, John Lennon, right? All the lonely people. Oh, yeah. Um, but what's what's so important, and I'm sure John Lennon would agree with me if he was uh, listening to this podcast, is it's not the loneliness that counts. It's how we respond to the loneliness, right? We're all lonely, all the lonely people. It's not like anybody can escape uh, this emotion at one time or another. But if we can respond with self-acceptance, with understanding, and with compassion, it, it, it will ease the pain. It may not go away entirely, but it will, it will diminish the pain that sometimes is associated with loneliness and hopefully will help us move towards solitude, right? Mm -hmm. so, so once again, cultivate your emotionally dependable connections in your life, the relationships that really count to you, and you'll feel more soothing. You know, whenever you can use a hug, or a, a shoulder to lean on, right? Nice. And and yeah. your the, the whole thing about responding is giving yourself the control back, right? I mean, what you really only can control is your own response. Mm -hmm. So once you understand the key way to respond to loneliness or anything else, actually, um, and and to respond with acceptance, like you said, or understanding and compassion that's going to be the key. Definitely. And, and one of the other things that just came up as, as we're talking is that loneliness can feel burdensome. It can feel super heavy, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Yeah. But hopefully if we're moving in a direction of, of healing or we're, we're moving in a direction of it uh, diminishing, like we we're talking about the waves that get sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller, that, that hopefully we will feel lighter around the loneliness. That, yeah, that it's almost like a burden to carry sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, by the way, that. I didn't say this directly, but of course, therapy, um, sponsorship, um, just grabbing a friend, you know, anyone who can help us feel a little more sense of like, okay, we're just part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. um, loneliness is just part of the deal and it doesn't have to sit so heavy and hopefully we can we can get perspective on it right so d depending on our background our template with loneliness we're, we're all going to have a little different um, experience a little different flavor of loneliness today but we have lots and lots of choices and that's really the the main thing I wanted to in part today is that we have a lot of choices. So it's not the loneliness that counts. It's really how we deal with it. That's it. I'm looking forward to the next bout of loneliness so I can apply one of these <laughs> action steps. Absolutely. But I know for me, yep. I'm gonna just journal. So that's, that's what works for me. Well, you'll have to report back to me. I look okay. forward to hearing about it. I will. <laughs> All right, take care, Sue. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening today. As always, it was terrific sharing the time with my colleague and friend, Sue Merlino, and discussing this really significant topic 
that affects those affected by compulsive sexual behavior. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if there are topics you would like us to discuss in the future, please let us know. I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts and thanks again for being with us today.